0: Well, it's that time of the week again it's time for chit chat across the pond this is episode number 581 for february 9th 2019 and i'm your host allison sheridan this week our guest is bart Booth. shots back with another installment of programming by stealth i believe we're on installment 71 of x now is that right bart
1: that's what my numbering says and i don't think i've missed any numbers between <laughs> one and here so i think that's correct well
0: i'm usually the uh, the the week tent pole on that particular one so uh good to know good to know um I had uh, two things I want to say. One, I had so much fun with this homework. Um, I happen to be in a position right now where Steve is doing all the work with the CES interviews, so I have lots of time. And so I started like a week and a half early, which turned out to be really good because that's about how long it took me. Um, And I just barely at the very end had to cheat off a Dorothy's paper. I did all of it myself except for one little piece of um, of the extra credit. So I was very proud of the extra
1: credit. Oh, then then full mark.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, when I was done, I was like, Oh man, it's, it's Wednesday. I want, I want more to do. And you remember how much I was whining at the end of last time going, what? I can't believe I have to do all this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm hoping you found it was good to, to to stretch the muscles on the sofa you haven't done in a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do all of the stuff that you did. I've, uh, I've cheated. I've looked ahead, but, uh, but anyway, I had lots of fun. Um, I also wanted to tell you one thing that I've I've discovered. I, I've we've talked a lot about code editors and how there isn't a perfect mm-hmm. one, and it's just sort of the holy grail. Yes. You are always looking for the one that does everything, and there is no such thing. Well, I really like working in Code Runner because I can just have it it automatically showing the changes down below. So I've got the little right. the little play button. You hit that once, and then every change you make, you know, you put in a margin, it goes bink, it moves over. You can see exactly what's going on, so it's a really good place to code. The problem is when you when your stuff gets too long it's really hard to check to see if you 've got all the brackets closed properly so you can you can uh, mm-hmm. go back and forth over a bracket you know a parenthesis or a squiggly oh. bracket or whichever, and it'll highlight the other one but if the other one's off screen it doesn't scroll up to show it to you and if you scroll up right. and then you, you use your cursor to go back and forth, it scrolls back down to the one you were looking at, so you can 't see them at the same time so I started using uh, Atom, and I really like Atom because Atom lets me uh, – if you if you get next to a, a bracket, it puts an underscore under that one and an underscore under the one. It highlights it basically with a bright underscore, mm. and it underscores the other one so you can scroll up and find it. So it's a really – it's a better way for me to work. But then I really like the play thing, so I was like back and forth, back and forth, and it does code folding too, which is really nice. But then I realized...
1: I was just going to say, an editor that folds is, is the ideal, because if your brackets are wrong, the little button to fold won't be there.
0: <laughs> right, 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 exactly. So so that really works. But I like working over in Code Runner. Well, I discovered something. Adam, real-time updates to what you're doing in Code Runner, even if you haven't saved.
1: Ah, the joys of the new macOS file handling that came in when we lost Save As. Is that what it is? Pretty sure it's all part but of the whole modern versioning stuff that goes on. But it's instantaneous, probably. Used. Right, because there is file system events being fired.
0: Ah, well, that's so. It wasn't it wasn't magic done by the Atom people, but it's great because I can I can be over well, in code. Well, but Bern-
1: well, no, it's not magic. It's there are APIs that if you write your app well, it will behave like this.
0: Oh, so they had but you to, still
1: have to write your app well. Yeah. You still have to use the API, right? The OS provides you with this ability to listen to file system events. Mm. But if the developers don't take that power, so they still get credit. They just didn't invent the wheel. They're were just they just doing it right. They're writing a really good Mac app, hmm. even though it's a cross-platform app, which is very rare.
0: I did wonder why I never had to do a save in, um, in CodeRunner.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the modern Mac way. I mean, it's sort of... I think does Code Runner CodeRunner does put up the little dots so you can sort of revert back, but it's all it really it's saving everything all the time, like a Mac app, but it gives you the illusion that it's doing it the old fashioned way. Yeah.
0: But anyway, I've I've finally I found the, the holy grail. Two at the same time.
1: It's funny you say that, because in work I actually run two at the same time most of the time these days when I'm developing my JavaScript stuff. Hmm. Um but not those two. Well, one of those two. So the stuff I'm doing for work involves a lot of code that makes up a library, sort of a, a massive API, and then some edge code that actually calls that API and makes it go. And so the the little short little effectively command line script written in JavaScript because you can do that with node, we'll come to that. Um, so effectively, the command line bit is sitting in code runner because it has a console right there, so I just hit play in code runner and I'm running. My little command line app straight away, uh, but the actual library code is huge and really does benefit from having a true, like heavy duty editor. In this case, Komodo Edit, uh, well Komodo ID, the free version, hmm. and so I edit the, the the core API code in one and the edge code that actually runs it in the other. Yeah, so, yeah. So lots of reasons to run two. At the same time. And of course, for me, there's always a third app open, which is always uh, my Git client, which at the moment is Git Kraken, which is great. (laughs) Got a very cute squid icon. Someday I've got to get
0: back to that, because I don't actually know how to use it yet. I open it sometimes and I look at it and go,
1: I'm supposed to know what to do with that. I That that also, I know we're already on episode 71, but that is also on my long-term plans here. Okay. There's like command line javascript there's database code there's so many things in the long-term scripture we are so not done <laughs> there's so many shades of not done it's great
0: i should probably let you start then but i was i was uh, yeah. excited and happy and had a lot of fun
1: well good and you know everyone has their own tool set i don't get cranky with anyone unless they say that this is the right way it's, like, no, it's the right way for you just don't be so prescriptivist and we'll be fine Uh, So today, because the last assignment or challenge was so... Well, it wasn't small for a start, and it also was flexing muscles we haven't flexed in a while. I've actually planned to spend the bulk of this installment going through my sample solution and pointing to things that we haven't seen in a while and sort of jogging our memories. And then we are going to do some new stuff, but it's not particularly heavy lifting. It just so conveniently happens to be exactly what we need to improve our little timer we've just written for this challenge to make it even better as the next challenge. So it's funny how that worked out. Um, So the thing we'll be doing with this, we're going to learn about one Bootstrap component today called the Spinner. And it, 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 it it does something important for web apps. Because in a web app, it's quite normal to need to indicate to people that there's a thing going on. I am waiting on something, there's no need for you to click any more buttons, you've clicked your button, I've accepted your click and now I'm doing my thing, please stop clicking. (laughs) It's it's a way of indicating that, you know, yes sir, I have acknowledged your command, I am now trying to do it, bear with me. So the spinner is basically a little animation to show you that something's happening. Hmm. Uh, So you could use a GIF, but the little spinners are nicer actually because you can sell them and stuff. So that's really what the spinner component is for. And on a web page, that has no function. But on a web app, that has many functions, because whatever that app is doing, it may need to take some time to do something. Right. So now, in the case of our timer, we have an excruciatingly contrived example with a very, 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 very long wait time. <laughs> so the spinner is actually the perfect thing to do. So anyway, we'll come to this. to
0: you got to gotta tell me, you didn't actually write your code with it doing it in minutes, did you? Because I wouldn't be done yet.
1: No, I may have knocked a zero off.
0: <laughs> I did mine in four second increments, so all of my all of my code has four thousand, eight thousand.
1: <laughs> well, I just took a zero off the end of the times in the uh, for the, for the timeouts and so forth. Mm, okay, so whatever a tenth of a minute is, six seconds, I guess. Um, yeah, so I just locked it. I figured a factor 10. That made it easier to fix the code later. Just put the zero back. Well, exa- I've
0: just pictured you going... Doo, 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 waiting for it.
1: Yeah, you. no. <laughs> no, no, no. I have played SimCity long enough to know that it's okay to juggle with time. <laughs> and Flight Simulator, actually. Anyway, so the challenge was to make a little silly timer. Um The user was to be able to somehow enter some amount of minutes, some sort of message, and have some sort of button to make it go. When it goes, the the primary objective is that at the end of the some amount of minutes, a modal will come up with the message that the user can dismiss. And in the meantime, every minute in between, a toast should come up to say how it's getting along. And if you only set the timer for one minute, that means no toast. So getting stuck in... um, well wait, first I say so my sample solution you will find in the folder PBS seventy challenge solution inside the zip file. Quite straightforward. Um so I sort of started um usual way. I figured I give the page a title. I decided to call it Silly Timer, PBS seventy challenge. Uh, I decided to use a jumbotron because I'm just very fond of them. And then I decided to use a really simple form so as not to n- not to clutter the code or spend my time. On fancy forms, when really that's not what we're trying to learn this time. So I went with the, the, the default Bootstrap form, which is label on top of full width, um, label on top of full width f- uh, form controls. And I decided that it would make sense to keep that form narrow at all times. So I took that as an excuse to remind everyone about the offset property you can use within the grid. Hmm. So my different. app always stays as a narrow centered column. Even though when you look at the markup, it's just div class equals row. It's one row with one call, and yet we have this nice empty space each side. So at the narrowest uh, breakpoint, it's just call 12 So the first class you have is dash 12 And then when you get to the next breakpoint, I make the width be 10. But 12 minus 10 leaves two spare. So what do we do with the two spare? Well, we could put empty columns in, but that would really muck up our markup. So it's much better to make use of the offset feature of the grid. So I say offset dash sm dash one. So what does offset mean? Do? That it moves the call by the offset to the right.
0: Hmm. And and one happens to mathematically make it centered because you've got call sm ten.
1: Precisely. Okay. So if you have if you have you've used ten, that means there's two left. So if I shift myself by one then there's one left okay. either side of me.
0: Okay, that's kind of slick. Yeah.
1: And then if we move to the next breakpoint, suddenly it becomes MD8 with an offset of 2, and then it becomes LG6 with an offset of 3, and then it becomes XL4 with an offset of 4. <laughs> but either way, it's always a reasonably narrow form so it doesn't look silly with full width buttons and so forth.
0: I'm looking at it and it's uh, one oddity is the wider you go when you get out to the widest width to extra large, the, the jumbotron Mm -hmm. actually gets narrower. It's, it's the same. And and in fact, it's, it's the largest when it's in the small uh, size.
1: Uh well okay so because I didn't use a responsive grid um my grid only ever grows to a certain size because I, I the container is not container dash with this container
0: but when I go to extra large the width of the the text actually word wraps because the 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 jumbotron is so narrow
1: okay but so if I had a margin around the container as a whole you would see that the at the XL. The container doesn't keep growing once you go up to the XL size. So it just so happens that at four, it's quite narrow, but I couldn't go with five because there's no offset three and a half.
0: Hmm. I don't quite follow why that would make your Jumbotron get narrower. I mean, it's actually...
1: Because four four out of 12 is a little bit narrower than six out of 12 on the other breakpoint.
0: Hmm. And then at the smallest, it actually gets bigger. That's kind of weird.
1: Because 12 out of 12 is wider than 4 out of 12. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Well, it helps understand what the offset means because of that, right?
1: Yeah, Okay. yeah, exactly. So as I say, there's a lot of classes there, but all we're basically doing is keeping a narrow column and equally spreading the space left and right. Now, as I say, just an excuse to, to, to remind people of the offset classes, because they're fun. Uh, yeah, so inside the... Um, inside the body of my uh, solution, then um, I have a form, which I've given the wonderful ID, timer underscore fm. And in there, just the usual stuff. So uh, div class equals form group to wrap each collection of label input and text, because I put help texts on them. Um, I decided to use the good old-fashioned range slider to enter the minutes because I figured that's nice and human-friendly, and really, do we need any more than five minutes of waiting around? Probably not. So I sort of limit. I decided to make it a range of one to five and leave it at that. I did. Entirely arbitrary, of course.
0: I did a, um, oh shoot, what's the name of it? Uh, a select. And I didn't do it for the reasons you said. I did it for the reason of, I didn't have to do any Eric checking if I did it that way. <laughs> That's also why I like the range. Yeah, pure laziness.
1: Um, yeah, the other way to go would have been a radio set with five or six items. Yeah, yeah. Again, I didn't want to have to do any error checking. Yeah, that's exactly, that was exactly what was on my mind too. Uh, The text area then is, or so the message then is just a plain old text area and the button is a plain old button. So nothing particularly exciting there in in the form itself. Now, one small thing is, uh, because I have a range, you actually couldn't see the value unless I threw in an event handler to actually update something that displays the current value of that range right because the range is just the blue dot moving along the line so unless i tell you somehow what it really means it's kind of a useless ui element so inside the label i've added a span with the class duration underscore display Uh, I've also then, after the word minute, put another span with the class plural underscore only, which contains the letter S. Now, why have I decided to use classes rather than IDs? I wonder. The answer is because this interface is going to do lots of things depending on, on the amount of time that the user has picked. So, if I do it as a class, I can have one event handler that updates everywhere where the minutes have to be displayed. So, I can give lots of things the class duration underscore display and update the value everywhere at once. And I can also give lots of things the class plural underscore only and hide and show random S's across the page with one event handler. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, I saw, uh, I looked at Dorothy's homework after I was done and I saw that she kept track of that last. You know, to take off the S on on one minute, and I think you technically did tell us to do that. I missed it completely, but that's a good way to do it. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you said it should say one minute. You didn't say. I did actually. Didn't you that, yeah. didn't say? Hey, look, there's no S on minute. Mm. By the way, I didn't make minutes. I made waffles. <laughs> you
1: made waffles. Yeah. Ooh, I'd like a waffle. Well, because we were making toast, Brilliant.
0: so I thought i will make waffles.
1: So, so, some waffles. Only in America are toast and waffles related because only in America is a waffle a breakfast food. Really? Oh, really? It's a dessert in Belgium and in Ireland, they're made of potato and they're, they go with dinner. Huh. Potato waffles. Well, I basically. bet there are anyway. other countries where it's breakfast. I don't. I believe that is a purely American invention, actually. Mm. Um, I don't pretty sure I'd to a podcast on waffles. And it was basically... It's, now, America's big, right? You, you, I have some great food podcasts. Um, anyway. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So we have an event handler, which is a good excuse to learn some JavaScript. Now, there's a third class I also added while I was doing this event handler that you don't see in this one example, but it's the inverse of plural only. It's singular only. Because sometimes we may want to mess with stuff that only shows up when it's not plural. So... Our timer range, if we look at the HTML, had an ID, and that ID is... Where are you gone. Timer underscore min underscore org. So we need to... Say that very
0: carefully. R-G. I know you say R is or, but what you just said was orgy. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) That's okay. I shouldn't have drawn attention to it, but I couldn't help myself. I was
1: going to say, I hadn't noticed. (laughs) That's how clean my mind is sometimes. Sometimes. Range. Um, So... Yes exactly uh, so just to make my own life easier, I generally speaking will create variables to hold these things so that my code is more human readable, so I say const dollar mins equals dollar call the dollar function with a single argument that is the c s s selector pound sign optoshorpe, whatever we're calling it timer underscore min underscore Romeo golf
0: <laughs> you can call it range
1: <laughs> range. So then we need to actually add our event handler. So what is the event we want to handle? Do we do we remember which is the right event to listen to on form elements?
0: Um, Well, you want it on.
1: on. Okay, sure. On is going to listen to an event. But the question is, so on takes as the first argument is the event to listen to. So what event? So the obvious candidate would be change. But that's actually the... 90% correct, 10% wrong answer, because that will only pick up changes made by the user and not changes made by, like if, you, if you're on a web page and you hit the back button, a lot of modern browsers will put the form back the way they found it. And that's an input event, but not a change event. So actually the correct event to listen to is not key up or not click or not change, but it's actually input.
0: So okay, not not with not with that you at all right some time not ago. with you at all, so I did it on click, and it works, so why is click
1: click wrong? sure, it works ninety percent of the time if I change that value programmatically, change somewhere else change what, on the page change what value the value of your select you said it was wasn't it? mm hmm so, if somewhere else in the page, at some stage later, I write some JavaScript that says dollar whatever your ID is dot val, and I pass it a new value, your event handler won't fire.
0: No, no, because no, no, because no, click it. No, because I'm not doing it on the select. I'm doing it on the go button. I did a click on the go. Then you
1: okay. Then you have nothing. Then you right. Then you're not actually. Then you're comparing apples to oranges because I'm only interested in handling a change in the number of minutes. I'm not interested in making the form go. This is just the handler to change okay. the display as you move the number of okay as you move the range slider. All we're doing is changing the amount of minutes. We're not. I got. We're it. not making it go. Okay.
0: Okay. So now I'm so with you. you on, don't have one of I'm these. with you on that part. So now, now you're saying on, and this is I, I, I've actually read ahead on your code, and I don't know what you mean. You say dollar mins dot on. Parentheses, quote, input, comma, function, and then you start doing your okay. function. What, I don't know what input is there.
1: Input is the name of the event that we're going to do the function on.
0: Where is that event defined? Or is that a, a sacred word thing there?
1: That is a sacred word thing. Uh-huh. The browser defines. So you could say on click, on submit. On okay. double click, on, oh, there's lots of them on input, okay. on key down, on key up. Th- there exist events. And in fact, um, when you're writing your own stuff, you can make your own events. So, as we saw last time, there's an event that fires when a toast shows, and there's an event that fires when a toast hides. So, right. events, the browser has some, and then any code you write yourself can have some, and any libraries you use, like Bootstrap, can bring along a few events, and jQuery brings along a few events. So you will be writing to an API, whether it's the HTML5 API or whatever, and that API will list, one of the things it lists is the events it produces. Okay.
0: Okay, so let me see if I can say that sentence. Uh, What it says is we're we're talking to the the element that has the ID, timer underscore, min underscore, range, and we're saying on input, which means you choose anything then do this function. Yes. Okay.
1: If I receive basically if that range receives input from any source be it the browser remembering its state because you hit the back button, be it jQuery changing the value, be it the user dragging the slider, if in if that is manipulated by any source of manipulation, the the input event will fire.
0: Okay. Okay, and it's not fired by the default existing
1: Right, because that isn't an event. That's just, the only event is that at the very end of all of the defaults coming into existence, one event fires document ready.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. I understand that now.
1: Excellent. So inside that function, then we have to actually, well, what do we do? Okay, someone, somehow that range slider has changed. Be it, you know, it doesn't matter how. Somehow it has changed. What do we need to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is read out the current value and save it somewhere. So const mins equals $mins.val. So we call jQuery's val function on the range to get out the number, 2, 3, whatever. Then we want to update everything on the page we gave the class duration display to and set its text to the number we just pulled out of the range. So dollar, and we pass the dollar function a single string, which is a CSS selector, period, or full stop, or dot, duration underscore display. So dot means class, so anything on the page with a class duration display has its text set to value we just got out of the input okay then we want to hide or show all the plural only or singular only stuff so if minutes is greater than one we get everything with the class plural only and we call show and everything with the class singular only and call hide
0: oh that's right because you wrote the you wrote the s as plural only and and singular only is just blank it's, it, it, we
1: haven't seen it yet, but it. it, it oh, it is, I'm sorry. It is at my disposal and it will be used at some stage. Okay, it's it's not needed on the on the label for the slider, but it is needed in other places. Okay. Um. So if it's less, sorry, if it's greater than one, we show the plural and we hide the singular. Otherwise, we hide the plural and show the singular.
0: That's very elegant. So, I like that
1: thank you. I was actually quite pleased myself because I was almost writing a whole bunch of question mark, you know, main greater than one colon this, you know, that semicolon. And I was like, this is horrible code. Why don't I just wrap them in a class?
0: By the way, you use the ternary operator later in your, in, in this lesson. And I couldn't remember what the word for it was. Try to search for it.
1: How do you search oh, for pretty, what yeah, question you're mark in a modern search engine? <laughs> Yeah. I said they're going, you're going to get so nowhere yeah I
0: finally said how about operators and I found it that way
1: yeah and there's only one operator that takes three inputs which is why it's the ternary operator mm. now writing that so $mins.on we have now added that event handler to that range slider but we have never called it it has never been invoked and we really should call it at least once because otherwise there's no initial value in the display.
0: Oh. So
1: the opposite of on or sort of the make it go equivalent of on is trigger. Hmm. So if you want to, if you you could say on click, write a function and then say dot trigger click, then you are programmatically simulating a click. In this case, we're programmatically simulating there was some input. So we're actually saying fire the event input. Well, the the handler is now in place. So, it executes. So, what we're basically saying is do this every time someone triggers you and go. So, we do it all in one. So,
0: that's where I got my default in there. Yeah. Yep. I just took out the dot trigger uh, quote input and it just says minutes.
1: Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Okay. So, that's that's what the trigger is I for. believe you. So, the, <laughs> the trigger fires an event. Think of it like a gun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. That
1: works. Okay. So... That takes care of that. So um, I sort of put it all t- putting it all together. Um, there's a code for my... Mod- okay, obviously jumping ahead a little bit. So um, now that we have our form in place and now that our slider is working, the next thing to start thinking about is, well, we know that when this thing finishes up, it's going to have to display a modal. So we should probably write some code for a modal. Now, in this case, the modal has one job in life. There's only one message this thing is ever going to pop up in the entire existence of this silly little web app, and that is, I'm done. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of customization on it. You know, It the message will change. But on the whole, it's going to be all the same. So rather than building all of it from scratch, probably better to just write some HTML and stick it into the page, give it an ID, and then just pop in a few editable bits with an ID that we can change later. So this is very much by-the-book modal, um, all of the, you know, class equals modal. We gave it an ID, so the whole modal has the ID up underscore mdl for modal, I figured. Um, blah, 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 div content, div header. The title doesn't even change, so I've just given it a hard-coded title, times up, exclamation point, or bang, whatever we're calling it. It has a close button uh, inside its body, then... Um, Again, a lot of this can be static. So because I have my plural only and singular only, I can actually just hard code some of this in. So it says your, and then it says class plural only duration display, blah, so an empty space there, then the word minute, and then another uh, plural only class with the letter sr. Otherwise, singular only is up. So that reads a little bit stunted, but basically if, it's one, it says, your minute is up. And if it's any more than one, it says, your whatever number, minutes are up. That's
0: pretty pretty pedantic there. I like it.
1: Yeah, I, I figure if it's a sample solution, it can't be, it can't be cruddy. <laughs> it, has to, it has to be good. So I polished. I gave it a nice little sheen of polish. So it, it speak good English. It speak better English than me. <laughs> Then we have a paragraph, which we've given the ID message underscore display. And I've also, I've given the, the, the sort of the static never changing message, the class text muted. So it fades away a bit compared to the message the user entered. And then for the message the user entered, I've done the inverse, which is another thing we haven't bothered with in a while. But text muted gives you a subtle bit of text. And P class equals lead gives you a stronger piece of text. It's a lead paragraph mm, okay. like you have in a newspaper. So this way, I sort of figured best about worlds. My the static one gets dimmed down a bit, and the one the user entered gets amped up a bit. So you know, text muted and class lead, and then we just have a photo with the normal dismiss button. So very much by the book. It's actually I actually copied and pasted out of PBS seventy B and deleted a bunch of stuff really because this is actually a simpler modal. I actually copied
0: there. out of there and didn't delete anything. Hey, he said he oh, said that yeah. was always pretty much right. So just slap that bad boy in there. In fact, I'm, I I th- And it would be right, you know? I think I put it in text expander.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh the next thing then is we also know we're going to need some toasts, so then we need a what I call a toast rack. And just to just to be clear, I made that word up. That's not in the bootstrap documentation anywhere, right? So don't tell other web developers about toast racks cuz they'll look at you <laughs> like you're silly. I it's, but I'm somebody keep else
0: calling it that. I oh shoot. I should have written it down. Somebody else had another term that a lot of people use for it. But it was just like that. I th- I don't think it was a real thing.
1: Well, yeah, and given that they were only added in Bootstrap 4.2, maybe maybe if we say it enough, it'll become a real <laughs> yeah, thing. There you but go. I, uh, that is actually genuinely a copy and paste from PBS70B.html. That is, I didn't even edit a single character. That is just exactly as it was. So now we're ready to deal with events. Um But again, just to make my code more readable and my life more easy, I am pre-creating a bunch of variables so that I can access everything I need to access easily. const $form equals function called with the ID timer underscore fm. Uh, I also have one for the minutes we've already seen. I have const $msg to get at the text area, const $modal to get at the modal. And then when I do want to linger on for a bit, const $form controls. Uh, now, this is one where my solution works, but you actually found a more elegant way. So I'm going to say what I did, and then you can tell me how, okay. how there's a, there's an easier way. So in order to disable Formal, what we want to do when you click the start button, we want it to be impossible for you to go and mess around with the slider or to start typing stuff into the text area or to click the button again and have two timers fighting with each other. So we want to disable all of these things. So I wanted to have a single jQuery variable representing all of the things I wanted to turn on or off. So I said dollar, and I passed it as the first argument, a CSS selector. And that selector was input, comma, space, text area, comma, space, button. And as the second argument, I passed dollar form. In other words, confining yourself within the form, give me every input and every text area and every button, please. I then shove all of that into the variable dollar form controls. No. and that does achieve what we need to achieve. Your, your text says or,
0: activity. not and.
1: It depends on which point of view. So, if I'm describing it in terms of do I do I is this tag to be collected? Well, is it an input or a text area or a button? Yes, it is. I'll take it. Oh, or okay. do you describe it the other way? I
0: see. What you're right.
1: Yeah. The po- the point being, all of those things get collected into one object. So that uh, that dollar form controls is a jQuery object representing multiple things. In this case, one range, one text area, one button.
0: Oh, that's cool. So that was so you didn't so have my- to put the uh, the the uh, disabling of the form on each one of those things on the input, the text area, and the button. Correct.
1: Yeah, so now we can use jQuery's magic. That's the joy of jQuery, right? You can collect 400 paragraphs into one jQuery object and then say dot .color red, and then all of them will turn red. That is that is literally jQuery's magic. That's source, pretty nifty. Is it will, yeah, it will do whatever you tell it to everything it represents, be that one thing or a million things. So in this case, we're just collecting them all together so that I can say dot .prop disabled equals true, or comma true, dot .prop disabled, comma false, and I'm controlling three of them at once. That is the joy of jQuery.
0: So can I... Would you just... Dis-
1: Yeah, you discovered it. So I'm doing it this way because as far as I knew, and it was true when I learned all of this stuff... There is no way to disable a whole form at once. And there's still no way to disable a whole form at once, but there is something else you can do that's really darn cool.
0: So when I looked at it, I thought, okay, I can go to each one of these form elements and I can say, uh, okay, I'm going to set the property to to hide or whatever, whatever. Disabled equals true over and over and over again. And I remember somebody saying, that's a bad smell because if you're doing something three times, you should do it once Mm -hmm. somehow. So I thought, well, what if I put all of these forms into a field set and then I just disabled the field set, but I couldn't, it didn't work. I was trying to put uh, right onto my field set prop disabled uh, equals true, and that didn't work. So I started searching for, well, how do I, how do I disable the whole thing? How do I, how do I do that? And I found, um, and I've seen this before and I didn't know why this was something you had never talked about. There's document.getElementById, and then you can give it an ID, mm-hmm. and then you can do stuff to it. And I asked you about that, mm-hmm. and you said that, well, that was around before jQuery. You don't need that anymore. But what I found was you could set that to .disabled equals true. So in that one line, I'm able to turn off the whole field set. I'm able to disable the whole thing, in, and I didn't have to write three lines of code to you know disable all three. Yeah. So the reason now- you didn't know about it was
1: because it was added in H05. Yeah. So it, so it was it was not possible when I learned this stuff. Now it is.
0: That's a lesson none of us will ever learn, which is as <laughs> when you get really good at something, when a new version comes out, you don't sit down and learn all the new stuff. I mean, I bring up brand new Excel and I go Well, in Excel 4, this is the way I did things. I know how to use it, and I don't even see the new stuff. I don't even notice it. So uh, I don't know whether any of us will ever become brilliant and say, wow, new stuff, I better go read everything it can do.
1: I was going to say, I I mean, I know a lot of HTML5, and a lot of changes in HTML5 I am aware of. But it's a big old spec, (laughs) and this is quite an obscure little bit of it. It's so obscure, in fact, that jQuery doesn't deal with it, because jQuery's .prop function should theoretically do that for you. But whoever is writing the code for whoever's maintaining the jQuery code hasn't noticed that change either.
0: Maybe I should tell them.
1: Yeah. There's probably honest, a way to do follow that. that as a you could file that as a bug on the jQuery project mm, over in GitHub.
0: That'd be cool. I'm going to make it. It is
1: a bug, right? You should be able to the HTML spec says it has a property disabled. You tried to set the property using the prop function to disabled. Sorry, the, the property disabled to true with dot prop disabled, comma true, it didn't work. Therefore that's a bug in jQuery, because it really should. Oh. Be. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now with this document.getElementById, that is the native JavaScript way of getting something by ID. So remember I said the jQuery isn't magic jQuery is someone else's code that's replacing the standard JavaScript way of doing things with a more developer-friendly way of doing things. Well, what you have there is the native JavaScript. So document.getElementById is replaced with dollar. Yeah, okay. Right? So you want to get something with the ID 123, you say document.getElementById, quote, 123, quote. I would go dollar open open parens, open quote pound sign 123 close close done
0: so actually that's probably the best thing you've told me because a lot of times i'm looking for solutions and i find get element by id so i wasn't ever looking at the date to say okay that was 12 years ago or whenever html4 was the hot new hotness and so now that i know that that means dollar i should be able to assume that i can swap in the dollar and do it
1: okay it doesn't mean dollar the dollar function lets you get at stuff by an ID in an easier way. The dollar function is using document.getElementById under the hood.
0: Right. But I mean, but you said I could take it out yeah, and so stick, you shove a dollar in there.
1: Yes. Well, so, the but you remember you have to put in the parent sign. It's a little
0: bit different too. Yeah.
1: You can achieve the same thing. Now, the thing is, when you, when you use the dollar function, you get handed a jQuery object. Mm-hmm. When you use document.getElementById, you get handed a JavaScript DOM object. Hmm. Okay. So, so a JavaScript DOM object doesn't have a property called prop or a function called prop. Right. It actually has .disabled. Right. Which you access directly. So it's different. So if you, you can take a jQuery object and turn it into a DOM object by calling .get on it. So... If you want the raw DOM, you can get there from jQuery. But the jQuery object you get has way more power than the DOM object you get from document.getElementById. Because you can't get element by ID for, say, your select and ask it for the value. Because the way you have to do that in native JavaScript is you have to ask it actually, okay, so get me the select. Now get me every, in, get me every option inside the select and tell me which one of them is selected and then get the value from that element. Mm-hmm. Whereas with jQuery, you just say, give me the value of the select. Okay. So th- there are many reasons why I use jQuery instead of raw DOM. Sure. So there are differences. But anything you can do with jQuery, you can do with raw DOM, because that's how jQuery works. Okay. jQuery is not magic. It's just doing that stuff like you were doing for you.
0: Well, I'm excited. I found a bug in jQuery. Good. That's pretty exciting. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think you should report <laughs> it, because I want to I be able to use that through jQuery. That's just too convenient not to use Yeah, that. yeah. Okay, so with all that done... Um, I also want to throw in a couple of other variables that I know I'm going to need. Um, we are going to be starting a timer. I'm going to call it a timer. It's actually a timeout in proper JavaScript speak. And I'm going to need to hold its ID. And we're going to be firing off an interval to make some toasts appear. We're going to want to hold its ID. So let's just make two variables for those. Let main timer ID equals null, toast interval ID equals null.
0: Why do you need a timeout and a set inter- uh, an interval? I only did an interval.
1: You could have the interval go toast, toast, boot, toast. You, yeah. Let me see. You could have one interval that goes toast, toast, modal. That is true.
0: Yeah, that's what I did.
1: So you could have an if statement inside the single interval. Yeah. I just found it cleaner to write code that says in five minutes do that, and in the meantime, every minute do this. Okay. I just broke my code up into two logical chunks because I had okay. to, my brain had to think of different things, and I just like having different things and different functions. An aesthetic choice. Okay, cool. Not right or wrong. All right. Just an aesthetic choice. I I mean, I used to say this every single time, that there are an infinity of correct answers to these challenges. So you are not incorrect. Your, Your code is perfectly functional. You just have a different style. And that's perfectly fine. Yay! The last thing I want is to make it impossible, or rather to give me the ability to check whether or not somehow someone has managed to start me twice or whatever. I'm making a global variable, so our friend Var intentionally wanders into this conversation for the first time in ages. Because 99.99% of the time you want a local variable, and you want it to either be constant or not. So 99.9% of my code is const and let every now and then I do actually want to pollute the global namespace and throw something in there. So you will sometimes see me do something like var running equals whatever. So in this case, I'm making a little flag called running to record whether or not the timer is running.
0: So remind me, um, uh, is it just because you're using var that it's globally scoped or is it outside of your your click function? Both. Okay.
1: So let means a variable comes into being from that line of code down and the same for const. And it's trapped inside the curly braces it's currently within.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Var floats up and runs down, but is still trapped within the curly braces.
0: Oh, so oh, so you don't put it outside of the the click function. No, the document know, you do. ready
1: Right, You can use it in either case. So you can have a var inside curly braces or you can have a var outside curly braces and they will have a different meaning. They'll have a different scope. But var is still different to let and const because let and const go down only. Var goes up and down.
0: So how is it, if it can go up and down, okay. if it's outside versus inside the curly braces, how is that different?
1: It's how far it goes up and down, right? So the curly braces, imagine the curly braces as ceiling and floor. Okay. It doesn't matter whether you're using a var, a let, or a const. There's always that same ceiling and floor by the curly braces. Okay. A let and a const cannot fly. If you declare them on line 5, they will never exist on line four, three, two, or 1. Okay. A var is hoisted. So if you declare that var on the very, very last line of your function, it actually exists for the entire function. Okay. It floats up and falls down. Okay. But it's still trapped in the floor and the ceiling. OK. So that var running equals false is outside of the document ready event handler, which is why it's global. And the fact that it's a var means it oh, just. Oh, it's actually exists. outside.
0: The, I meant, was it outside the click handler? You've actually got it outside of the document ready handler?
1: Or uh, it's definitely outside the click handler. I oh, think it's s- even outside the document ready handler.
0: OK. Event. We're both looking at yes, this.
1: Yeah, line 83.
0: Okay. Huh. I didn't even know.
1: It would have worked inside the the document-ready handler too, because literally all of my other code is inside that document-ready handler, so it would have been fine in there. So is a document-ready handler
0: and a document-ready event handler one and the same thing? Yes. Okay, good.
1: Yes, it's just a lazier way of saying the same thing. Okay. The event is document-ready and we're handling it, but it's so hard to say that over your time. Yeah.
0: All right, so you're doing okay, that so just that to make to sure finally. You, you declare it as being false to start with?
1: Yes, and also, I want to have a little test inside my click event handler to just make sure that no matter what someone has managed to do, the universe has figured out some unique and interesting way of doing things I hadn't thought of. <laughs> I just want to have something I can check to say, am I already running? If not, start me running. Okay, Just the belt and suspenders... I want a little flag that I can use to to be sure that it's safe. It's called a semaphore in theoretical computer science. Hmm. Um, they used to be... The idea is, you imagine a single track railway system and you want to be sure you never have two trains in it. Well, have a plate with a stone. If the stone is in the plate, you take the stone, you take your train and in you go, and then you will never crash into anyone. If you arrive and there is no stone, for goodness sake, stop. <laughs> Otherwise, all hell will break loose. So in this case, var running is sort of my stone. Okay. Right? So I'm saying if I if I come here and I find that var running is already true, I will stop. I will not do anything. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Make sense? Yeah. I'm not sure I understand how your code does that. So let's go through that.
1: Yeah. So... Now that we have all of our foundations laid, we're finally ready to look at that uh, handler for my button. Now, in my case, I made that a submit button. So the event I'm catching is actually the submit event of the form, not the click event of the button. Stylistic choice. Okay. Equally correct to put a click event on a button as it is to put a submit event on a form. Okay. Same difference. Okay. But I just decided I had dollar form sitting around. I was like, oh, what the hey, I have this variable. Let's just use that. <laughs> So the first thing I do is I check to see if my stone is gone. If the timer is already running, do nothing. If running return false.
0: Okay, hang on. So var running becomes equal to false. Then you say if running return false.
1: Right, so an event (laughs) handler will happen many, many times. declaring var running false happened once when the page loaded
0: i got you but what does if running return false mean
1: okay so the oh the event event... if
0: running means if running is true doesn't it
1: truthy in any way yeah (laughs) that's
0: really annoying so var running becomes equal to false you say if running which means it's true return false you made my head explode but i get i get it (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's an escape clause, right? If
0: yeah, but it's just <laughs> linguistically annoying.
1: <laughs> I quite like it actually. I think it's nice and Englishy. But okay. Well, no,
0: but you just said if running return false. Well, wait a minute. We already told it it was false, so false.
1: But we're is not true. setting the value of running. We're just we're we're returning from the from the function.
0: Right. I, I, sub- it's just because you just said var running becomes false, so now I, that that ah, okay. isn't something I just heard. If running, return false. Oh, well that makes perfect sense. Unless I just heard you say var running is false. You know ah, okay. what I mean? Yeah. And I'm always surprised anyway, when you don't is- have to have an else. I like it, but I'm always surprised. There's no reason to say else. It's just you've, you've returned or you've kept going.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it I like to have a single... Now, something you will never see me do is have an if statement without curly braces that spreads over two lines because that is a bug waiting to happen.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So if I have an if statement that's really concise, it will be all on one line like you see there. So there's no curly braces there because they're they're not needed. It's one single statement. Okay. But I would never do that over two lines because that is just, like I say, that is a bug waiting to happen. on security On security bits, we've actually talked about... I think it was SSH or something, had a one-line if statement that someone put a second line in, but it wasn't in the if statement because there were no curly braces. Yeah. And it broke SSH.
0: I remember that one, yeah.
1: And that's why my my non-braced ifs are single line only. If I ever go onto a second line, braces appear. Always, always, always. Okay. Religiously. So, okay, so if we got by that little escape valve, if we got as far as line five without returning... Then we know we're the first. We are we are getting to start. So the very first thing we do is we take the stone, right? So we say running equals true. No one else come in here. I, I have this. Don't we running already
0: know true. it's true? Because we got past nope. if running return false?
1: We know it's not true. Oh God, I thought. If a- it's true, a- we've a- sodded off. Oh a- right? If huh? the timer is running, don't start another one. You're right. If the timer right, is running, right. run away. Yep, I see it. <laughs> right? Now I'm saying, I, I'm I'm running now. I, I'm now taking over. So if any other copy of this function ever comes up, I'm now running. So he, he will sod off. The second guy will sod off. So running equals true. Next thing, disable the form. So I have all three of my elements mushed into one jQuery object. So I just say .prop disabled, true. So, then I need to start my main timeout. Now, in order to make this code legible, I have commented out the content of the two set timeout and set intervals, because I don't want to confuse you with those. Okay. Now, we'll look at each of them in turn. So, the first thing I do is I get the number of minutes by saying, give me mins.val. And then I'm set main timer ID equals set timeout. Some code. And then a little trick I always do to make my timeouts human-friendly is I don't put in minutes multiplied by 60,000. I put in minutes times a 1,000 times 60. Okay. Just because that way... Yeah, you can see it and think. Becomes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can see it and think. Uh, the next thing is an if-needed and only if-needed start the toast interval. So I say, let min's left, so in other words, the number of minutes that are left equals the number of minutes there are minus one. And then I say, if there are more than one minutes left, then we want to start our interval. And again, so interval a function we'll talk about in a moment, followed by a thousand star 60. So every 60 times a thousand millis- oh, milliseconds, every 60 seconds, this function will fire.
0: Okay, question. So the overall,
1: sh- yes.
0: Um, I have a set interval, mm-hmm. and I don't have window dot in front of it. What does window dot by default? Mean?
1: Okay, so window is a globally scoped variable that represents the browser. So if you're writing JavaScript and you know you're only ever going to use it in a browser, you can emit window. You it's sort of the default variable. Okay. So if you just say set interval on its own, JavaScript will go, ah, I presume you meant window dot. If you start writing JavaScript that's not only for the browser, but that's running maybe inside. I mean, Apple allows scripting of the OS. There are many apps that embed scripting. There are Node.js and so there's lots of other places JavaScript can run. So as a general rule, I will use the window.
0: Okay. If you're if you're writing for uh, for a mobile device.
1: Well, it's still a browser, so it's still a default oh. window. Hmm. It's just, if you're if you're embedding this JavaScript, like, there, okay, Stellarium is an app that allows you to write JavaScript to script the app. But in Stellarium, if you were to omit the window, the chances are it would break. Hmm. Okay. So it's, ju- it, it's more explicit code. Basically, it's a shortcut to leave out the window, and it's a shortcut that works if your JavaScript is browser only. And so far, every single line of JavaScript you've written is browser only but that's not the world I live in in my daily life, so I've just gotten into the habit of not assuming window. Okay. And you could argue it's more correct code. Not using it works, but this is sort of more explicit. Okay. You're not relying on default. Good. So Very yeah, interesting. Okay. So the overall structure of this event handler is quite simple, I think. You'll agree. Make sure no one else is running before me. Okay, good. I am now running. Disable the form... Start my main timeout for the modal, and if needed, start my interval for the toasts. So let's look at the two little missing bits there, and I'm actually going to go backwards. I'm going to look at the toast first. So inside the toast handler, the first thing we want to do is we want to show, we want to show the toast. So I need to work out. I decided my toasts are going to be quite descriptive, so they're basically going to say so many, you know. So many minutes left is going to be the title and then the content is going to be so many minutes down, so many minutes to go. So it's going to say five minutes left, you know, four minutes down, five minutes left or five minutes to go. Sorry. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, except for the word down. I don't know what...
1: As in... Is that text? That's a phrase we'd say.
0: Yeah, but it's not inside your quotes. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. Okay, I see it. That's all that's all one sentence. So many minutes yeah. uh down so many minutes to go is all in one sentence. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, rather than putting all of that jQuery code to make the toast into that event handler and making the event handler impossible to read, I actually wrote a separate function called show toast, hmm. which takes two arguments, a title and a message and a body basically. So, inside this event handler, or sorry, inside this uh, interval, all I'm doing is show toast, passing it two arguments, a title and the main body. Okay. Uh, Then we want to decrement min's left so that next Mm -hmm. time around it is saying something sensible. And then the important part, because if you miss out lines 16 through 19, we have ourselves an infinite loop. If the number of minutes left is now none, right, so we've decremented, if we've decremented to zero, we want to stop the interval. So you stop the interval by passing its ID to the function window.clearinterval, or clear interval on its own. Mm-hmm. And so we saved that's the reason we had to save that ID earlier, because otherwise we can never stop the bloody interval. <laughs> and then just to tidy up after ourselves, I say toast interval IT equals null. It's just, just good practice to clean up after yourself, really. It's not necessary, Okay. But it just makes you feel better. So that's resulted in quite minimalistic code, actually. And the reason it looks so minimalistic is because actually the evil, evil jQuery code from last time is down below in the function.
0: <laughs> well, it's in nice it's little, little bite-sized jQuery. chunks now.
1: Yes, which does make it more maintainable. It's
0: no longer uh, run-on sentence.
1: Now, at this stage, we do have our extra credit we can talk about. So oh, are you skipping over your show delayed. toast?
0: Because I did have a question.
1: Okay, well, that's what, literally what I'm talking about now. Line 20 in show toast. Yeah,
0: I'm, no, I'm not talking about line 20. Um, okay. So when you create the toast, and you did this last week, and I asked you, and I think mm-hmm. um, what you didn't do on the toast was you didn't give it an, an ARIA Live Polite.
1: Yeah, that's because that goes in the toast rack.
0: Well, yeah, I wondered whether Sorry, the toast to- rack was enough for that. Okay, I put it in the toast rack. Yes. I threw it all over the toast. got it everywhere.
1: No, so if, no, and I was, I, I didn't, you messaged me about that when I wasn't at a computer, so I thought I probably was wrong, but then when I got home, I found out I was right. Okay, so does and it, I forgot to tell does you. Does
0: it cause a problem to have it in the toast racks, toast rack and the toast?
1: It might make your poor screw reader be, far too busy looking for changes in places it doesn't need to because you're telling you're telling you're telling the screen reader that it needs to keep special attention on these things and so if you only have two or three toasts i'm sure it can manage fine okay but you probably should only tell it to watch the rack because all your toasts are in the rack so if you're just telling the screen reader watch here that's sufficient okay so remember the job of that tag is to tell the screen reader this isn't static content this is something which is expected to change so watch it and if it does change you need to alert your you know the person you're guiding that they have just been notified of something okay okay uh now the extra credit comes into play here so this is mostly copied and pasted from the show notes from last time but last time we were using delay colon some number of milliseconds and that would mean that the toast would auto-hide after that number of milliseconds. And what I said to get bonus credit was to make your toasts hang around forever. And the way you do that is you go auto-hide colon false instead of delay colon whatever number of milliseconds. So this is, so that's what I this is
0: where entirely. I cheated off of Dorothy's paper. And I'll tell you where I got stuck. Um, I did a lot of searching around for how I would go about doing this. And I kept trying to use auto-hide. But all of the examples were... In the HTML, so it said data dash auto-hide colon false or comma false. Yes. So, so I kept putting in that data dash and the JavaScript console kept telling me that, what, what are you doing? You can't put a dash here. What the heck are you talking about? And I, I, yes. I, I understand why it's the data dash isn't there, but I don't know how I'm ever going to remember it.
1: <laughs> okay, so two things. So in jQuery, if you want to put a data attribute, you call the data function and you only give it the not... The bit after. So if you want to set data dash boogers, you would say $whatever dot data open parens quote boogers close parens. And that will set data dash boogers.
0: Right. So I went, I went back and found it in, oh, I went way back in programming by stealth, but I found it mm. uh, where you were doing SKUs. Um, and so that's how I knew what was what was going on. But I still don't know how on earth, if I do a search for jQuery, uh, auto hide, I'm gonna find data dash auto hide and I'm gonna forget it again and I don't know how to cement that yet.
1: Right, because you're not looking for data dash auto hide, you're looking for data attributes.
0: Yeah, but I'm forgetting that I'm data just data looking for hide. You're making I'm actually of. searching for hide. I need I need to know how to make this thing not hide. How do I do that? Oh data dash auto hide then
1: you'd need the documentation for toast, right? You're not looking you're not looking for generic how to hide anything. You're looking for how to hide a toast. So you'd need the documentation for bootstrap toast. Right and that's where it says data dash
0: auto hide. False.
1: Actually, it says two things there. It says you can either pass options to the toast function, or you can use HTML data attributes. The documentation is very clear that you can set your options by either passing them in as key value pairs when you call the toast function, or you can set them as data attributes, is what the documentation is. Okay, but it
0: it never says what you have typed there. It never says auto-hide colon false. They give you the example... In HTML,
1: yes, but it says that it's just that you're not conversant enough in the jargon of JavaScript.
0: Yeah, because
1: it genuinely does say that, and the example it gives is with I think delay, but it's exactly the same mechanism. You could either say data dash delay equals three thousand, or delay colon three thousand. So anything in that options table, you can either say data dash name of option. Or name of option colon value. Right, but that's where I don't.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, it does say when using auto hide colon false. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's going to be a hard one.
1: That is purely going to come as practice, yeah. lesson. It might be since I've it talked enough about this nature. that
0: I'm going to go, hey, that data dash thing, I remember screwing that up.
1: Well, that is generally how you remember things, oh, right? Yeah. You whack into the wall, and then you know, next time you say, I've seen that wall before.
0: <laughs> I, am not I might not again. remember how I got around it, but I remember there was a wall to get around. That's where I'm screwing up. Let me go search. Okay, thanks.
1: Yeah, but that's the first step, right? The first step is to <laughs> is to recognize that this is somewhere I've been before, and the second step is to get to the stage where you recognize which of the possible paths out of this place I've been before. Why is it
0: always long. the first step is acknowledging you have a problem? <laughs>
1: Actually, and <laughs> to life. I mean, a good analogy for this. There's a particular village near here that has, it's. I think it's magic. I think it's some sort of black magic. But whatever way the roads are, the, none of them are in a grid. But all of the junctions meet at 90 degrees. And they have gently curving roads so that your brain thinks they're straight. <laughs> there is a junction that I come to and I know it's where I get lost.
0: <laughs> Doesn't stop you from getting lost. There are only
1: left and right. I, am, I have a 100% record of picking the wrong one. So I have gotten as far as recognizing that I've been here before and that I need to be careful. But no matter how hard I try, I still haven't got the second half of that, which is figuring out which of the ways is the right what way. What if the watch so has I'm a compass? There. Nope. It probably does, but my watch is always locked because otherwise my cycling jersey clicks all oh, the buttons. Okay.
0: I'm glad you recognize it. In the summer, that's a not a problem.
1: Yeah. And, yeah so I, and I was at that junction again today, and I was like, I'm not going to do oh, No, I got lost again. <laughs> anyway, so there's our now. Okay. Then the rest of the function is, again, straight from last time. So $toast.on. So here's another example of us using the on function to set an event, right? Right. And in this case, it's not an event that exists in native JavaScript, it's an event created by Bootstrap. And so if you look in the documentation for Toast, one of the sections is events. Ah. And notice that one of the events it lists, it lists is hidden.bs.toast.
0: Oh, that's where you got that. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So that's from the doc. So the docs say that when a toast hides, this event will be fired. And I'm going, okay, great. When a toast, well, sorry, when, when a toast hides, I want to do this. So I'm saying $toast.on, hidden.bs.toast. I hate the fact that bootstrap prefixes BS to everything.
0: <laughs> well, it helps me because I know that's a bootstrap thing.
1: I just I don't know, I would have said that boot or something. It's just <laughs> <Not> BS. BS. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hide when the toast is bullpucky. <laughs> what? Okay. Anyway. All we want to do is dollar this dot remove, which we talked about last time. So a toast hides by default. It doesn't remove itself from the DOM. So if you have a thousand toasts and you just hide them, you're just building up all of this clutter. So jQuery's remove function actually deletes something from the DOM. So what we're saying is, when we're hidden, delete ourselves.
0: There's my good old friend this. This.remove. There's
1: your good old friend this. Yeah. In other words, whatever, whatever this event fired on, self-destruct. Okay. $this.remove. And then the very last thing we do is $toast. Toast show. So if you pass the toast function, a single argument that is a string, it will do whatever the string is. So in this case, the the command is show. So hey, presto, our toast shows <laughs> up. So that's, you know, pretty much the same as last time with a few little diversions into how we do the auto-hide stuff. So again, that maps to the documentation. So the options section of the documentation maps to line 20 and the events section of the documentation maps to line 23.
0: Okay. By the way, um, I just bought an OwlCam... Uh, Uh, dash cam for my car. And if I were to be listening to this podcast, it would have just recorded a video clip because the trigger word is, okay, presto.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, (laughs) Very cool. All right. (laughs) Although I think the trigger word should be, ah!
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually it should be, or a swear word,
1: right? (laughs) I was going to say, whatever it is you swear at drivers you drive badly is what the trigger word should be.
0: I wonder if I could change it. Anyway.
1: That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. So... Just, I don't, do I need to go through again what set interval is and clear interval? But I think we covered that in the actual walkie-talkie description. The show notes go on to describe that in detail, but we've covered that. And the show notes go on to talk about a thousand times 60 instead of 60,000. I just find it easier to read. Great. So now we're ready to look at the main timer timeout, the thing that actually makes it go. So again... The code is quite simple here because we've done a lot of our work up front. So first thing we need to do is hide any toasts that are lying around. So we use the dollar function and we pass it the string. So in other words, a CSS selector, period, full stop, whatever we're calling it, toast. So every toast has to have the class toast because otherwise it isn't a toast. So I am saying give me everything with the class toast and then call on it the toast plugin with the command hide. Hmm. In other words, hide all toasts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying
0: to remember how I did it.
1: Because we've told them to hang around until we hide them. Right. So we better hide them. <laughs> Next thing we need to do is fill that modal up with the little bits and bobs we wanted. So the first thing we want is to get the actual message the user entered into the text box, and I've called that text box $msg, so we're saying const msg equals $msg.val. Now they may have entered nothing, and I uh, an alert with nothing looks wrong, so I decided to say that if they put nothing in, what I'd actually like to use is the emoji of the say say nothing monkey. The you know say no evil, I think is actually <laughs> what it technically is, isn't it? See no evil, hear no evil, say right. no evil, isn't that what they're speak from? Speak no evil. Speak no evil. That's the one. So it's the speak no evil monkey emoji is what I've decided to use uh, in place of an empty string, and then we just say. Dollar $message underscore display dot text message. So in other words, give me that little bit of the, give me that span with the ID message underscore display and pop the message in there, please. By the way, I wanted, to use, want to, display the I wanted to
0: use a waffle emoji, but it just got approved by the committee this week,
1: so. I did see that. I've made me I'll happy. Be sure actually. to add it in. I was walking home from work when I came out. Is the fire extinguisher in that oh, set of Oh, I need to check. Yeah, because we need that for security bits. Um, okay, so the next thing we do is we display our modal, $modal.modal show. So again, the jQuery plugin from Bootstrap always has the same name as the Bootstrap element, sorry, Bootstrap component. So the component is modal, so the matching jQuery plugin is modal. So we have toast hide modal show. Then we've got to re-enable the form. So $form controls.prop disabled comma false. And then clean up after ourselves. Running equals false. Otherwise, the next time someone clicks the go button, nothing's going to happen. And just again, cleaning up main timer ID equals null. Just because I like to clean up after myself. Good news. And that's the it. The fire
0: extinguisher emoji was, was approved in version eleven and we're in twelve already. Huh? I oh, great. I just emailed it to you so you'll remember. We've been we've been waiting for this. Yay. And actually really actually I've got a spot in my um oh in my recipe. That I I gotta go check and see if it if it works now. Remember I was I wanted a, a fire You did, you put shirt. one in, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because obviously you're afraid of your own cooking skills. <laughs> your popcorn could spontaneously combust. Well you said we had to make a list of supplies. Every good kitchen should have True. a fire Actually signature. you're right. Or a fire blanket at the very least. <laughs> My kitchen has both. Huh? Just just so you know. Um, I have never needed either and long may it last although I do have a brother who managed to set fire to chicken nuggets (laughs) apparently if you leave them under the grill and completely forget about them while you go watch Police Academy they will go on fire eventually (laughs) nice okay okay so that is my entire solution is there something in that that you would like me to recapitulate? No, for? Or do you think we've done a good job? I, I
0: think this was good. At first, I thought I wouldn't want to hear the whole thing over again because I got mine to work, but I learned a lot of new stuff. So that it, stuff you taught us before, but how you used it here—that was great. I want to learn about spinners, yeah,
1: which is exactly what I was hoping. <laughs> good. So now let's turn. Let's learn about spinners. So spinners—they—they they have one problem. They have one job to do, and they just do it very simply: indicate to the user that there's something going on. An empty page that isn't moving in any way looks like it's broken. Mm. Right? We're all used to this. If nothing's happening when we've clicked something, we assume the machine is broken. So we need to show people, yeah, we can't actually do this for you because it takes time. But look, watch the spinny thing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Don't you know, give the user the sense that there is something afoot in the wind. So I have lots of examples of these in PBS 71A.html. So the component in Bootstrap for showing activity is the spinner. And they come in two flavors. The, um, the one I like, which is spinner-border, and the other one, which is spinner-grow. So spinner-border is like a circle with a bite taken out of it that just spins around. And a spinner.grow is like a full stop that expands and fades and then expands and fades and then expands and fades. So I guess at this stage, it's probably best to open PBS 71A and look at the very, very first set of spinners. There is one default rotating one and one default growing one. So the first one is border. The second one is grow.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So you can turn any html tag of your choosing into a spinner by giving it either the class dot, or sorry either the class spinner-border or spinner-grow and you'll get the appropriate spinner okay so all you need to do is give that one class to any tag and it becomes a spinner okay you should do a little bit more to help our friends with screen readers ah so the first thing is we need to give it an aria role and that role is status In other words, we're telling the screen reader, don't worry too much about this. This is just a little status icon. This isn't some sort of text that you need to somehow read out to the user. This is just a little thing showing that there's a thing happening. Okay. Role status. Now, you then need to give a little bit more help. What is the thing? Okay. This is an icon to show that a thing is happening. What thing? The way you give it a thing is inside the tag you're using, using a tag of your choice, usually a span, with the class s or dash only, in other words, for the screen reader only, put in the English or French or German to match what it is. Usually that means loading dot, dot, dot. That's usually what you want to say. But maybe, depending on the context, it might be saving dot, 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 or calculating dot, 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 or whatever. You know, if people <laughs> used to play SimCity reticulating splines,
0: whatever. Sorry, I just made myself laugh. I I thought, well, wait a minute. loading would be helpful to people who can see as well. So I took out a class SR only, and the word loading is inside the spinner and flailing around. It's going 360 degrees. It looks really funny.
1: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes, it would. No, I did actually because, yeah, so the spinners use something we haven't looked at yet called CSS animations. It's a feature of CSS3. So it's actually... Yeah, it's an animation. Go do that happening. for yeah, your own fun, spinning.
0: you guys. You'll like it. It's funny.
1: It's a pro- It's a propeller loading. Yeah. Or a loading propeller, I guess.
0: has <laughs> to be something else I can um, do
1: with that. Yes. You could use any tag you like for your spinner. And a lot of the examples use a div. But I don't because a spinner... Is, as soon as you give it dot spinner border or dot spinner grow, it becomes an inline block element. And div is a block level tag, not an inline tag. So I prefer to use span because that's an inline tag. But as soon as you apply the class, your div becomes inline anyway. So anyway, yeah. I just that's just a thing. Um so because it's an inline element, it now behaves the same way as an image would. So that means it's going to bump into whatever's sitting next to it because if you don't give an image any margin, what happens? It touches everything around it. If you don't give a spinner any margin, it touches everything around yeah. it. So you can use the bootstrap utilities to deal with that as you wish. So in my example, um, it's... So in PBS71, I think I give them all an m-3 if memory serves. So yeah, so it's span it span class equals spinner-border space m-3 role equals status.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: If you want a bigger margin, give it an M-5, whatever. You get the idea. Now, the one thing that the Bootstrap people were very good about, so by default, unless you do one specific thing, a spinner is an inline block element. It can also be a flex item inside a flex box, which is darn convenient for laying things out, as we'll see in a moment. So it, it normally behaves like an inline block. So you can either think of that as like a single letter or like an inline image. I, either way is a correct way of thinking about an inline block element. And but it can also be a flex box, a flex item inside a flex box, which is useful as we'll see in a moment. Uh first thing we want to say while we're talking about utility classes, you can use the color utilities to change its color. So if you want to make a blue spinner, you would say Let me guess, you info. Would give it the class no uh, info is sort of a more equamarine. You can use so basically info, primary, secondary, success, danger, warning, all the usual bootstrap color classes are available to you. And rather confusingly, it's text dash that you use, huh. not border dash. Because although it's called a border spinner, it is actually a character that's being spun around. Oh, okay. So it's text dash. Okay.
0: Well, actually, my silly example of putting loading inside it does show you that it's text.
1: Yeah, because it went blue too, as it went whee!
0: Yeah, actually, no, I didn't try it there. But yeah.
1: Yes, it will go blue because, yes, it's text. Right. Okay, so the next thing we might want to do is align our spinners. The chances are we don't want a left-aligned inline block element. We probably want it centred inside something or whatever. So centering is certainly the most common type of aligning we're going to do. So the easiest way to centre a spinner is to lob it inside a paragraph and you give that paragraph the Bootstrap Utility class text-centre and hey, presto, one-centred spinner.
0: Okay, now we know that it's text. We're used to that, so that's easy.
1: Yeah. Uh, You don't have to do it that way. The other way you could do it is using a flex box. So you could say, wrap it in a div with the class d-flex. In other words, turn the div into a flex box and then use the flex alignment class justify content around to half the empty space left and right each side of your spinner, okay. which also centres right. it. But while we're using boxes, why do we only have to have a single spinner that's centred? Maybe we actually want to have that bit of text and the spinner. Ah. So we could have two items inside our Flexbox. Span, lo- span with the text loading, span class equals spinner, etc, etc. So now we have our English and our spinner yeah, nicely go. aligned with each other using the Flexbox classes. Yeah. But at this point, we need to change our approach to screen readers because there's no point in having loading dot, dot, dot and then a screen reader only loading dot, dot, dot inside the spinner. Right. So what we should do instead when we have text always visible is we take the content of the spinner out completely. The spinner is now going to be an empty tag and we're going to give the spinner the, the uh, attribute aria-hidden.
0: Oh, okay. Because they don't need to have something there that they can't yeah, they don't. tell what it is anyway.
1: Precisely, because we already have loading written there. Okay. There it is right in front of you. So why do we need this thing? So just aria-hidden Okay. problem solved. The other thing we can do is you can mess around with the sizes. So there is the default size, and then there is an sm and an lg. Mm. And you get this small by adding the extra class that matches, so if you have spinner dash border to get it to be small it's class equals spinner dash border space spinner dash border dash s m hmm. if you have a spinner dash grow it'd be spinner dash grow space spinner grass dash grow dash s m and shockingly, there is also an l. g. equivalent to what i just said so, so what you
0: the the large one doesn't look different than the medium one looks the same size. And did spinner I manage dash, to typo it uh you did typo it in the text, but i, I didn't think it was yeah you say broder right. spinner, but I don't see it mistaken in the Oh that be. That'll, that'll no 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 it. it's in the text not in the uh not in the code, so spinner dash border spinner dash border dash l g does it look the same to you
1: and they're not close enough to each other let
0: me let me narrow my window
1: yeah. Uh, they, they look, look identical um, to me. Um, yeah, they don't on the Bootstrap example page. If I manage to <laughs> type all those classes on the Bootstrap example page, they definitely look different to each other.
0: Yeah, so the small one he's got um, while well, he reads, uh, he says spinner dash border spinner dash border dash sm, and it's definitely teeny. And he's got a margin three. And
1: oh, there is no large. I am made up. Of ah, that,
0: <laughs> so there's small and and regular.
1: The small and regular, there is no large. Huh. I'll go fix the show notes before we publish the show. Huh. I just assumed it would be symmetrical. I just, I just assumed. <laughs> Most things are. Okay, so there's only two sizes. You can have a normal one or a dinky one. <laughs> okay. And that is all. I, to be honest, I can't see why I'd want a bigger one. Okay, there we go. I'll fix the show notes. They'll be a bit shorter. All right. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about today, it, actually, just one other small thing to say here. So ignore the fact that there's an extra one. And notice that I have a nice vertical alignment between my different sizes of spinner. The reason oh. is because I'm using a flex box. So I can use the flex utilities to align them vertically as well as horizontally.
0: Oh, so if you hadn't done, uh, let's see. So you did justify content around, align items center. Does that mean centered vertically? Ah. Yes.
1: So justify content around means that the horizontal space gets equally distributed right. every side of everything. Right. And then just a, then align item center is in the other axis. Okay. Okay. And the thing is, remember that a flex box can be in vertical mode or horizontal mode. So if you're in by default, the flex box is horizontal. So by default, the align goes across and the sorry, the justify goes across and the align goes up and down. But if you say flex dash vertical, then that's flipped.
0: Oh, so that's why they don't call it align items vertical center because it doesn't really exactly, mean that. Exactly. because it's if just you the align. Which yeah. is the other way?
1: It means on the axis that the it, one of them is on axis and one of them is on what's called the cross yeah. axis. Okay. So by default, on axis is across, and the cross axis is down.
0: I like that. that I'm always trying to center things vertically and center things horizontally, and it's impossible in HTML. No, it it can't be done.
1: <laughs> okay. That's why the flexbox isn't really, really? Cool. that. That is actually the problem. To yes, wow. genuinely. Okay. And the other reason it was invented, right? Aligning is one thing. The other thing you want to do is have things be the same height as each other. And that is, um, I think it's align-stretch. Sorry, align-items-stretch, dash dash I think, is what does that. Hmm. Just go in my memory here. Uh, but if you read the docs on flexboxes, that is the other thing flexboxes give you. So that if you have, say, podcast logos and you want them all to be exactly the same height as each other and exactly aligned with each other that's what flex boxes are for okay and they were invented because it was such a pain (laughs) in the backside to do it it before they invented the flex box no 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 no. you and half the planet were so cranky about that and that's why they invented the flex box in css3 okay so the last thing i want to talk to you about today is the other place you will often see spinners is inside a button so you've seen this in many web apps, oh, right? You click a button that
0: Sorry, really quick. Uh your your second thing you did sure. was a uh, small default and large growing spinner. I assume the large growing spinners don't exist either.
1: They don't okay. exist either, yeah. There's only okay. yeah.
0: All right, so spinners and so buttons. Those
1: two to delete. Spinners and buttons, because you've you've probably seen this on a website, oh, right? Yeah. That you're there's a button to do something that takes like thirty seconds or whatever. You click the button, the button is replaced with some sort of animation, and then when it's done, the button comes back
0: to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's two approaches you can take to that. You can either have the text vanish and gets replaced by your animated thingamabob or your spinner in Bootstrap's case, or you can have it that the spinner appears and that maybe the wording changes, you know, please wait, spinner, spinner, spinner. So I've decided to give you an example of both. So before we look at the code, let's look at the effect by going to PBS 71A and clicking. So the first button is a button that disables and replaces the text when clicked. Right? Yeah. I need to fix the English there. So when I click click me, we get a spinner for three seconds and then it'll come back to us because I put in a timeout. The second one is the other approach. So it says click me and then when you click it, it says spinner and then the text changes to waiting. So they're the two most common ways you'll see spinners used. The other thing you'll notice is that I have the button um, disabling itself when you click it and then re-enabling itself when it comes back to you.
0: Yeah. Wait
1: minute, where do, yeah, now I just noticed. Where it, do you do that? No, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, oh. there's a typo in my code because I think I'm clearing the wrong timeout. Oh, something. OK. I copied and pasted, and I may have left too much copying and pasting.
0: So you've got JavaScript down below that's doing that?
1: There's JavaScript down below. So I'm assuming at some point I'll, we'll run into my typo as we go. OK. Cause there's, definitely, there's definitely a copy paste duplication going on here somewhere. Because I've just noticed something silly. Anyway, let's let's talk about the JavaScript. We'll we'll either figure out my mistake or we'll talk about it as if it's correct. (laughs) Um, so let's do the first example. So in the first case, we have a button. So we say button type equals button class equals button button dash primary id equals spinner underscore button underscore one. Right. So that's our first button. So inside it, we have span class equals spinner dash border, spinner dash border dash sm, because do you know something? The small spinner looks really good in a button, and the big spinner looks really silly <laughs> in a button. Okay. Then we have d dash none. So this spinner is not displayed by default. Roll equals status. And then inside it, span class equals s are only waiting dot dot mm-hmm. dot. Then we have span class equals button underscore text. Click me! And then we close the okay. button. Okay. So what we need in our click handler is we need to hide the text, show the spinner, disable the button. So we say dollar and we pass the string pound sign octosorp spinner underscore button underscore one dot click and then we pass it in a function that we want to do whenever they click. So first thing we say is dollar button equals dollar this. In other words, get a reference to whatever we clicked on and save it as dollar Btn. Okay. So now we want to hide the text. So the text is inside a span with the class button underscore text. So we give the dollar function the string dot button underscore text, and we can find it within our button. So we say comma dollar btn dot hide 250. That just happens to be the timing of how
0: long you want it to be there. Okay.
1: Yeah. Then we show the spinner. So we pass it in the first string, dot spinner-border. dash So in other words, give me the thing with the class spinner-border, and we can find it inside ourselves. So second argument, dollar $button. And we remove the class d-none. So all of a sudden, it's not not displayed. So it is displayed. Okay. Right? That's, yeah. Not, not is yes. <laughs> and then we disable the button. btn prop disable coming true. Now, in a real-world scenario, you would then, in your next line of code, actually trigger the thing... That's supposed to happen, and then when that thing finishes, a completely separate event will be fired, and you have a separate event listener waiting to hear the answer. And the separate event listener will reverse those two changes, those three changes. And you wouldn't do reenable. The you button. wouldn't
0: do dot hide two fifty. You just do dot hide until the other thing. Uh, was well, done. no,
1: it depends on whether you want the nice animation, right? I'd like I like stuff to fade instead of just. Oh, vanishing. oh, dot hide
0: two fifty is how fast it's fading, not hiding it.
1: Yes. Yes, it's the length of the animation. Oh, geez, It happens in... Why is
0: it called fade? Why is it called hide 250? Okay. You told
1: us that. No, no. Hide means go away. Yeah. And if you pass it no arguments, it will just go away. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. But giving it the 250. Okay, good. Okay. I feel better.
1: Yeah. So hide does hide. Uh, The 250 just says, yeah, okay, but show the person that it's hiding. Don't just vanish. Okay. That's freaky. So... To make this example work, rather than having a separate event handler, I've just added a timeout inside the click handler. So the stuff that's that's inside the timeout would normally be in a completely separate event handler, responding to Blah. the result of the save sure. or the result of whatever, right. right? So the inverse is show the text. So dollar button text can find inside button dot show two fifty. So fade in, uh, hide the spinner. So becomes, we add the class d-none instead of removing the class d-none, and we re-enable the button by saying disabled comma false. So it's literally the inverse. And hey presto! So the second example, then we have similar. I'm sorry similar to keep getting
0: Marco. back to that hide thing, but I'm changing it to bigger and bigger numbers, and it doesn't seem to hide any slower, more slowly. It just goes. I will make it add, add a zero. I made it, it ten thousand. Like. And it doesn't take any longer than it did the first time. It just goes right to the to the spinner. Uh,
1: okay, the doc says it doesn't. I maybe it's a I don't know.
0: Boy, I hope there's a bug maybe bunny it's... program with JavaScript. Uh, <laughs> you're seeing the same effect I'm seeing, right?
1: No, because I'm reading ahead of my show. Notes. Oh, okay. I'm not editing as okay. We go. well. Okay, well, I'm probably wrong I then. But
0: we'll we'll check into that later.
1: Um, it, I use it all the time. It's definitely something that works in jQuery. If it's not working, it may be a quirk of Code Runner, which doesn't always uh, behave perfectly as a browser. Okay. we've had that a few times yeah. now, where Code Runner shows us something being a bit hinky. Anyway, that's yeah. I know that works because I use yeah, it. Yeah, I time. just tried it from uh, Safari. It's not working,
0: and it didn't do that. It didn't slow down the hide. If I understand what you mean, the words are are you're saying it would slow down how long it took click me to go away and the spinner to start to show.
1: Well, the spinner is going to come instantly because we're not animating the spinner coming up. We're we're animating the text hiding.
0: So if the spinner comes up instantly, then it's going to cover up the. That's why you're not seeing the but, the text hide slowly because it's got the the spinner comes right up on top of it.
1: Maybe that's what yeah, not probably.
0: Did. Okay.
1: Yeah, if you do a dot hide on something else on a page, you'll see the effect. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, So our second button, the markup is similar, but not exactly the same, because in this case, um, the text is always going to be visible, so we don't need to have the screen reader-only stuff inside the spinner, so our spinner can be empty. Mm -hmm. So we basically have button type equals button, class equals button primary id equals spinner underscore button 2. And then this time our spinner is just spinner dash border, spinner dash border dash M, SM, or dash two, because otherwise the word click me bashes <laughs> right into the edge of the spinner. It looks terrible. So at margin right two. That would be how you did it D-dash, first, no, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be how I did it first, yeah. Role equals status aria hidden. So this time we're saying the spinner is for us sighted people only. And then that follows with the text, which again we give the class button text click me. So since the spinner is purely decorative, we use the ARIA hidden. Right. Okay, i just say that. So with the markup in place, we can do our click handler again. Uh, so this time what we want to do is we don't want to hide the text. We want to replace the text. So instead of it saying click me, it should now say something else. Um, but when we're done, I want to put the original text back. So I'm actually going to save the original. Oh. So I'm saying const original text equals... And then, so the first thing I do is I make a variable called dollar and I just use, you know, I just basically say dot button text inside the button, get a reference, in other words, and um, then on that I say const original text equals dollar text text, so get the text and save it into original text. Then I replace the text by saying text text waiting dot dot dot. We show the spinner that's exactly as above, so we remove the class d none. We disable the button exactly like we did before. So dollar button dot disable coming true. Then we start a timeout to re-enable the button after three seconds. Dollar uh, text dollar text text original text. So we put the text back. We hide the spinner by putting back the class display none, and we re-enable the button. Got you. Caught up.
0: Okay. That's pretty nifty.
1: And there isn't, there yeah, there isn't a bug in my code. What there is, is there's no if running test. So if you click the button before it's finished animating all sorts of weird stuff. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, so see? Didn't make it safe that if running, if
1: running thing. Yeah. As I say, I didn't want to clutter this yeah. code. So it's an entirely contrived example.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. There's something, I, I normally don't like animating things, but there's something fun about these little worms going on on, on the screen that I, doesn't bother me.
1: I, having nothing happen while there's something happening actually bothers humans. <laughs> That's sort of why the spinner was invented. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, I was we, testing we, we your code. I thought it was broken. I was like, oh, Bart, I'm going to nail him on... Oh, it just took a really long time for how his, his timer was set.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, uh, the challenge from me first, and there is actually a challenge from you both yes. talk about that in a moment. So... My challenge is very quick to say, I want you to take your timer that you have from the previous challenge, and I want you to make, to solve two problems. I would like you to give the user some sort of visual feedback that the timer is running. And I want you to allow the user to cancel the timer. Ooh, that sounds hard. Many, many different approaches are possible. Okay. Okay. So I'm actually not going to tell you how I want you to solve it, because you're, a desi- you're now an interface designer. Yeah. You're building a human interface to this program. Okay. So I would like you to solve it in the way that you think is the most human-friendly.
0: I'm going to have a spinning fire extinguisher is what I'm going to have.
1: <laughs> okay. So basically, show me that there's something happening and let me stop it. They're the two problems to be solved. And how you solve them is entirely up to you, but that's what, that's the functionality I need. Okay. So something you noticed and something I noticed is that although the example in pbs70b.html follows the docs over on the Bootstrap website perfectly, the little X button in the top right corner of our toasts does not work. It doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for you. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I
0: thought for sure I did something wrong. So I went back and looked at yours and went, I can't close his either. And we went to all that work.
1: And I spent half an hour reading the documentation going, what am I missing? What am I missing? And I, maybe I've done something stupid. It's entirely possible, but I couldn't find it.
0: Okay. So my challenge is, can you guys figure out how to get that little X button on the uh, toast to work? I mean, they are closed buttons. Yeah. It says so.
1: They are close buttons. They're just not closing anything. And they are, in theory, calling Java jQuery's dismiss plugin, but it ain't firing. The only it's thing sort of I could think like
0: of on. was because we didn't let them hide, right? We've disabled hide. Does that mean you can't force them to close?
1: But closing isn't hiding, it's dismissing. The dismiss plugin.
0: Well, maybe they're getting isn't dismissed. The same as auto
1: hide. But they're not because they're still there. Dismiss means go away. When you dismiss. The dismiss plugin makes things vanish, right that, Like we, we've done dismiss many times. we had dismiss on our alerts, we had dismiss on our modals, and it should work the same on toasts. Mm. The dismiss plugin really should dismiss mm. things. So the docs say it should work, and I'm, I thought I completely duplicated the example. So I've either missed something silly in which case please tell me what I've missed or this new feature added in this version of bootstrap has a bug <laughs>
0: I'm a bug I'm a Does bug hunter
1: exist. yeah <laughs> like toasts are brand brand spanking new they were not in four point one they are in four point one
0: wow wow so I don't know that we talked about this in in class, but you and I talked about it on the side mm. was that uh I had created a text expander snippet. Uh, for creating a a, a brand new HTML document that I was going to, it put all the CSS up at the top and it put all the, the uh, JavaScript down at the bottom, the calling the the libraries and everything. And I was working on something and it simply wouldn't work. And it worked in yours. Mm -hmm. And I finally went down and I said, well, wait a minute, I'm running like 4.1.2 and he's running 4.2.3. Well, that can't be it, but I copied the JavaScript you had and I stuck it in there and it worked. So this is evolving mm-hmm. very quickly now. I mean that was like a, you know a week later and uh so what I did now was I put a, in my in my text expander snippet it says go to this link click on you know look, go, go to getbootstrap.com click on getting started click on getting started again and it'll give you the thing where you can grab the CSS and the and the bootstrap and um what are the, what are the other two the uh
1: it's Popper, Popper. It's jQuery, Popper, Bootstrap. Yeah. That's the order: jQuery first, then Popper, because Popper needs jQuery. Yeah, and then Bootstrap because Bootstrap needs Popper needs jQuery. Yeah.
0: So uh, anyway, I, that's what I did with mine because uh, maybe we should <gasps> we should have a shared snippet group for text expander users. <laughs> anyway, one of us keeps it up. To I, date. Was, uh, I was I was yes. uh, really intrigued by that. So again, because something didn't work. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you actually don't want it to automatically update to the latest version because when you're developing an app and deploying it into Planet Earth, you don't want those libraries changing. So you've tested your code on Bootstrap 4.1, and it works on Bootstrap 4.1. So you should leave that page on Bootstrap 4.1 until you decide, I am now going to intentionally change it to Bootstrap whatever. And test everything. And I'm going to test (laughs) everything, and then I'm going to put it out, right? It's part of release control. Okay. Change management rocks. Okay, so that's that's sort of what we want to do today but just you know my final thoughts but like jerry springer i always have some final thoughts so we're actually getting very close to covering everything in bootstrap that i want to cover but this little timer play app we're building here actually gives us an excuse to do something i've had on the back burner for so long i've just been waiting for a hook to hang it on and toasts are the perfect thing so that JavaScript code for making a toast by building it up piece by piece, that's a mess. That is not very easy for us humans to read, which is why there may well be a dumb bug in it. And it's, a, it's just difficult to maintain, difficult to write, difficult, just, just messy. There is a better way. There's a concept called templating, where you would write some HTML that's somehow present in the page, but not part of the page. The browser knows it not to be part of the page. But JavaScript can reach into it and say, take that bit over there and then use it as a template instead of as a finished product. Hmm. And then inject into that template the bits that change and then use that as the HTML. There are many, many, many templating libraries out there because it's a very common problem to solve, templating. So I have chosen one. The one that I use all the time because I absolutely adore it. It's called Mustache. (laughs) And the reason it's... It's a really good reason why it's called Mustache. So... Uh, A templating engine will have some sort of thing to show you this is where the inserted bit goes. And in mustache, it's curly bracket, curly bracket, what you want, (laughs) curly bracket, curly bracket. So it
0: looks like a mustache. So
1: it looks like little mustaches. (laughs) So next time we're going to take a little break from Bootstrap and we're going to look at how to use mustache templates. Okay. I'm going to use those to make nicer toasts. I I do. Or rather, the same toasts in a more maintainable way. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this part. This was uh, this was very interesting. Plus, I like the little spinny things.
1: They're fun, aren't they? They're just this you know. Again, there's the million and one solutions to this problem. But again, Bootstrap—they have tasteful designers. It saves me, you know. The fact that I have no taste is not noticeable to you <laughs> because I use Bootstrap. That's right. I, I use I'm using Bootstrap so much in work. It's really fun because people are like, "Wow, you have you." you have a very good eye for design. I was like, nope, nope, (laughs) nope, 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 nope. I don't have, I know I have a terrible eye for design. It's called bootstrap. It's great.
0: Well, I have one last thing I want the audience to know that Bart already knows. Um, You know how I'm always complaining about how small the text is on Bart's uh, site? It still is, and I still think he should fix it when he does, when he bootstrapifies uh, BartB.ie. But I had cataract surgery in my right eye, and it's really easy to read it now. (laughs) Yay! I had no idea how bad my eye had gotten uh, until I looked at Bart's site and went, I can actually shrink that text and still read it. But for accessibility reasons and uh, and all that, it'd be good if it could be. Oh, yeah.
1: No, Look, this side big is in. stuck in the, in the 2000s. East, right? <laughs> this was once cutting edge design. This is not a cutting edge design.
0: So I will try to continue to complain on behalf of everyone else.
1: Yes. Yes, I will. The day will come when you're going to come to my site and it'll be all bootstrap glory and you'll be very oh, happy I and wait. I will be 10 times happy. <laughs> I bet you
0: will. All right, Bart. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to next week, too.
1: Two weeks from now. Oh, two weeks, sorry. Two, two weeks. weeks. Write me show notes. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of work to Oh, write
0: I these. know it does. I I do not ever take that for granted. One one single minute.
1: Well, the good news is I'm having fun teaching it so and you're having fun learning it. So thank goodness. Because otherwise it'd be awful, awful <laughs> torture. Anyway, until next time, happy computing.
0: If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.